Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. All right, before we, uh, before we dive in this morning, I have a little shout-out to make. Go to the next slide for me, if you would, Doug. So, those three rascals right there did a lemonade stand last week to make money for a school supply drive, and they earned $113.96. How much? 60 60, I'm off by three bucks. $116.96. So, good job, E. Way to go. Cutest little lemonade vendors on the planet. Got to say that. And great lemonade, too, by the way. Shh, don't tell. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I thought that was pretty fun. I got a chance to go by and uh, uh, help with, with that. I mean, I bought a glass of lemonade. I didn't really do anything, but nonetheless, wanted to give them a shout. So, uh, go ahead and go to our, our title today. Um, we, are, we are finishing up. Today is the final installment in our series from 1 Corinthians 13 on love. Uh, we will cover actually six whole verses today, but focusing in really on one, uh, love never fails. And we'll get to that in a minute. Or love, I'll, t- I'll talk about love never fails. Some translations say that. Some translations say love never ends. And I will actually refer to both of those fails and ends sort of interchangeably throughout this morning. But before we get into um, the actual text, uh, I have a story. So, looking around, most of you uh, have not been around long enough, but if you have been here for a while, you will remember my dad. Uh, My dad passed away about 10 years ago now, was very involved in our church prior to that. And uh, when dad passed, that was... Uh, for me, a very hard time. De- my dad and I were very, very close. He was the best man in our wedding. Uh, that's how close we were, and spent a lot of time together. Uh, in addition to me, to, to that though, this was also a very weird time for me. And the reason it was weird is this: because I, at 55 years old, I had never lost anyone close to me before. Uh, I did. I we did. I didn't have a lot of uh, cousins or aunts and uncles or grandparents growing up, and so uh, you know, not even a close friend. I mean, the close. You know, I had people that, like someone, a friend of a friend, or somebody would text me and say, "So and so that we knew in high school died," you know. But it was like somebody I hadn't seen in thirty years. So there was really. This was the first time at fifty-five that anyone that I was really close to had passed away, and um, it took. That was that was a weird thing because. I didn't really know how I was supposed to feel. Uh, and it took me a long time, frankly, to process that whole thing. What I learned is this, that anytime we lose a loved one, whether it's through a death or sometimes there's a divorce or something else happens and a family comes apart, sometimes even if somebody moves away, you might have had one of those experiences where a, a person close to you, a good friend or family member, 
moves to the other side of the country or the other side of the world. Uh, in any of those sort of situations, there is a separation that happens. Um, that separation leaves a void inside of you, and you begin to wonder, will this void be filled up again? And the question comes, is it like, this person is gone, and so that will never be filled, and maybe something else will fill it or not fill it, or is it, how, how do, it's just a very a challenging thing. Will that ever be filled? So with that as background, I, I give you that as, as background for our, our, uh, the sermon and, and for the, the passage of Scripture today. I want to go ahead and look at the last few verses of 1 Corinthians 13, if you would go to that for me. Love never fails, or uh, as I said, love never ends. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Yeah, Lord, just uh, open our hearts to receive. Uh, let your word just uh, soak deep into our minds and our hearts and our spirits today. Your name, amen. In the middle of the passage there in verse 10, it says, it talks about completeness. When completeness comes, um, what is in part disappears. And there's the idea of a continuum. There's a, a, a continuum of time that is moving forward uh, in that. There is a school of thinking uh, in, you know, school of, of thinking in Christianity or in, in uh, sort of theology today called dispensationalism. And dispensationalism says that completeness is in reference to the Bible. That when the Bible was completed, the, the context of the passage, of course, is spiritual gifts, when the Bible was completed, the need for spiritual gifts ended. And you, they would say, uh, you see, in the Old Testament, we didn't have the Scriptures. So th during those times, you had these prophetic people that were given prophecies. But now that we have the Bible, we no longer need those things. So they're gone. Um, that, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, perspective, I, I, I suppose. Uh, a, couple, a couple points I would make in rebuttal. The first would be that Paul didn't know he was writing the Bible. He was writing a letter to his friends. So he could not have been referencing when the Bible is done, we won't need these things anymore because he didn't know that. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that he tells his readers in chapter 1 of this same letter that he's hoping that they will not lack any spiritual gift, he says, until the Lord's return. And so in Paul's mind, the gifts of the Spirit would be needed all the way until the Lord returns. And uh, so there's that. So my point simply, contextually on the passage, is that it's fairly clear, at least in my mind, that spiritual gifts are still in operation today. Um, he also says here, uh, what is in part will disappear. 
So if, if in this continuum of time, completeness comes, what's in part will disappear. Well, what is that in reference to? What is in part? And again, I'm giving you my perspective. You can take it or leave it. But I would say that in part includes pretty much everything. Everything we know right now. We know in part. We don't know everything. The gifts of the Spirit today help us to navigate the complexities of life. I don't know if anybody's noticed that. Life can be difficult. Uh, sometimes there's unknown things out there. And it's hard, to be honest. It's, it's hard to process. In the course of life, we are learning, we are growing, we're figuring it out all the time. And that process never ends. Did anybody ever have this, this happen to you? At some point in your life, usually when you're like, uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, maybe 20, 22, you think, once I get over here, I get to this point, I'll have it all, I'll know what life's about. I'll have it all figured out. That's, once I get past this current situation, then we'll have it all figured out. Well, you know, I hate to break the, be the bearer of bad news, but at 64 years old, I'm still figuring it out. It, it hasn't quite all become clear yet. Uh, that, that process never ends. And and here's the deal. I will say this. The gifts of the Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, prophetic things, those are helpful along the way. They're very helpful. They, they, can, they can help us in that process of figuring it out. I, there are any number of times uh, in our lives that when we, we've been going through whatever, you know, questioning, wrestling with something, and a prophetic word would come. It's not always really clear, but it's kind of there. But those things have been helpful along the way. Um, there will come a time, though, then, as the Scripture says, when those things won't be needed any longer. And I was thinking about it this week, and I realized that assuming then means, and I'm assuming that it means that when we're in the presence of God fully, these other things won't be needed as well, like, like faith, for example. We won't need faith anymore. Faith is future-leaning. It's something that... We're, we're looking towards, uh, and we won't need faith any longer when we're in the presence of God fully. Same is true of hope. Hope also is future-leaning. We have hope in our hearts that something will happen, but we won't need hope anymore. So all of it passes away, but love never ends. The, the need for love in our hearts and lives will never end. Um, now, Paul says, we see in a mirror dimly. We don't see... We don't see life, we don't see each other, we don't see God fully, but then we will. And we, frankly, we're kind of like little kids uh, who think they know it all. You know what I mean? Little kids, when they're five or six, they go to kindergarten, first grade, and they think they've got it all figured out. That's kind of how we are sometimes. But the truth is that what we know is very incomplete. It's a partial picture. Uh, our, our, our capacity for everything, including experiencing God, is, is limited. You know... I, uh, experiencing God, I, I love the presence of God. I love when we worship together. There's God's presence. If you've ever been in a conference or some meeting where, you know, it's one of those times when just, it's like, you know, and God's just there. It's just so real, and you can almost feel it and see it in the room, you know. Those, those are awesome moments in our spiritual journey that we all love. But here's the deal. Uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, at, at the best of those moments is nothing 
like what it will be like to be in the presence of God in fullness. It's all very, very limited. We see through a, through a glass darkly, through a, a mirror dimly, whatever. Now, you know, uh, we, 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 will see, we will see ourselves in a different light, in a different capacity then. Today, there's, you know, this whole body image dysmorphia or whatever it's called, and people see themselves and they see the ugly and they don't see them, the, you know, the beauty in who they are. And we see ourselves as inadequate and incomplete and we don't have it all together and that will all go away. We'll see ourselves as God sees us. And frankly, we'll see each other that way. When I look at you, I won't, I won't see all the annoying little stuff that bugs me about you anymore. I will see you as a precious child of God, beautiful and perfect. And, 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 and when I see that, I'll go, whoa, whoa. Because love never ends. Love never ends. Everything that blocks love, everything in this life that hinders love, everything that clouds the picture of love, that will all end. But love never fails. Love never ends. I want to... Uh, I want to address the issue of belief for a moment. Maybe you're here today. I don't know. I know most of you guys. Maybe you're, maybe you're listening on podcast. You were a podcaster. Are you, oh, I'm the podcaster. What would you be? A pod listener. I don't know. If you're on the pod. Maybe you're here. And maybe, um, maybe you don't believe in eternal life. Maybe you believe you live and you die and you go in the ground and you had a good run, and that was it. But here's the thing, and, th- and this is really getting into why I talked about my dad, because if you've ever lost someone close to you, even if you say you don't believe in eternal life, I'm going to tell you right now, somewhere deep down inside of you, there is a part of you that wants so desperately to believe it's true. And maybe your mind, your logic and reason and your intellect won't allow you to believe. And in so much as our minds and our hearts are in sync, there comes a point at which they diverge. And even if your mind says that can't be true, somewhere in your heart, it says, yes, it can, because love never fails. And this is... This is the most fundamental defining characteristic of what it means to be a human being. When we say we are created in the image of God, that's what it means. It it means that we believe in our heart of hearts that love will never end. And if, 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 if it all just goes away, if we just go in the ground and become worm food, then, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, if we never ever see the people that we have loved and cared about again, if the one who dies with the most toys wins and the best thing we have to look forward to is the toys, there's something deep in our spirit that says that can't be all there is. I would quote here the great theologian William Shakespeare. It's a story told by an idiot full of sound and fury. Isn't that a great quote? I'm not a Shakespeare guy, but I love that. 
Uh, in fact, I, I'll tell you, this is my the true confessions here. I love Jeopardy. I watch Jeopardy. I hate when one of the categories in Jeopardy is a Shakespeare category because I know I'm not going to get any of those. I don't know them. I, I'm never going to win with Jeopardy. Win Jeopardy with Shakespeare up there. Okay. <laughs> Off track. As human beings, we have core convictions. There are things, regardless of your belief system, that we believe. They're just sort of fundamental. They're in us. They're inherent. You know, good good will overcome evil. Don't you, as a kid, you're growing up, you, you think that. We grew up believing good's going to win in the end. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we grew up thinking life should make sense. It shouldn't be, the universe isn't chaos. There, there, there should be an order to things. It should make sense. We have these core beliefs, and, and it, it if we don't have that, then really, we we just we we're the Walking Dead, right? You know, we're zombies. That's my best zombie imitation. But uh, inside of you, you're going, that can't be true. That that can't be how this works. So so look again. If you're not a Christian, you don't believe in God, Jesus, the Bible, any of it, and and, and you hear what I'm saying today. I tell you. You, something inside of you says, yes, that's it. And look, again, our, our minds, there's, there's a whole school of, of thinking called apologetics. And apologetics, growing up in the 60s and 70s, it was really a big deal. And it was sort of this proving faith by fact. And you would have all these facts and, and so you could say the resurrection of Jesus is proven by these things. And another guy's going to come along and he's going to say, I have an equal number of facts that say the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen. And so you could kind of go either way. Uh, okay, I agree with that guy. Maybe I don't think it did happen. There, none, of this, none of this counts. Uh, but I tell you, even if you're on that side of the fence, something inside of you wants so badly to believe that happened. Because if if it's... If it's not just all over when it's over, you might be able to be reunited with those people that you've loved and lost. And that's, that's why this is the most important thing. That, that's why love is love. That's why, that's why love trumps doctrine all day, every day, and a few twice on Sunday. I was thinking about this week, and I thought, do you suppose, you know, there's people that... They're they're just they're so wrapped up in being right. They want to be right, and I was thinking about. Oh, I'll go ahead and tell you. I saw this 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 meme, this series of memes, and there's this. It's a family, and they're the news something or whatever, and and they're all their whole, their whole posting life is teachers to avoid and music to avoid and the all these things to avoid. Avoid all this, and. And I, and I thought, that's the, 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 is anything good? Everything's bad. Avoid it all. Avoid it all. You know, and I, I was thinking in heaven, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be walking around going, hey, I was right. Hey, just so you guys know, I, I was right. I, I, had, I had the right doctrine. The other guys didn't. I did. Nobody's going to be saying that. That's not going to happen. I'll just tell you that. Go to the next slide for me, Doug. This is what matters. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in unity. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Do everything in love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself. How? Through love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
everything else, as we sang this morning, is dead religion. I want to lay that down. That's what counts. Love never fails. Love is the only thing, the only thing that does not end. And, and Paul's word here, prophecy, miracles, th- those things, uh, he, and again, it's not, a, it's not a contrast. He's not saying they're bad and love is good. He, he's, he's saying they have a place, but they'll come to an end. And frankly, they are good. I like prophecy. As I said, I, like mir- I love a good miracle. I really do. I, I, when I hear a miracle story, I just go, yes, that's good stuff. And as we said, I think, you know, throughout this whole series, it's, it's, again, it's not a contrast. Spiritual gifts are good. And despite some may, what it may sound like I'm saying today, even beliefs are good. Beliefs are, are it's important to, to know what we believe. Certainly actions are, doing commendable things is good. That's good. All of that is good. But with, the point is, without love, it's nothing. Without love, none of that matters. Zip, zilch, nada. No mas muchacho. It's just noise. It's all, it doesn't, it doesn't mean a thing. Why do you suppose, and here's, uh, this is the question for the day. (laughs) Why do you suppose that sinners today do not flock to the church the way they did to Jesus? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, you read the Gospels, and pretty much all the time, I mean, now and then Jesus would wander off by himself to pray, but most of the time, he had a group of questionable people around him. And they seemed to enjoy being around him. They, would, they were kind of drawn to Jesus. And I wonder, why is that not the case today? It, it, why, why are not those same questionable people drawn towards the church today they were, the way they were to Jesus. And I, I have to say that could it be that we've prioritized being right over love? Get your act together. Clean yourself up a little bit, you know? Uh, I, I think we fail to recognize that love itself is the transformational process by which those things will happen. Love is the transformational process that will cause people to clean their lives up, not telling them to clean their lives up. We've got the order wrong. We've got to love first. I might have told you this story before. I'll tell you again just because I think it bears repeating here. But back in the 1970s, uh, or as it is sometimes known, the golden age of rock and roll, uh, but there was a, a, a revival took place called the Jesus People Movement. Um, it, was, it was a spiritual revival that really became kind of almost global, but it started in Southern California, and it started at a place called Calvary Chapel. And it was, it was, it was a bizarre thing from the beginning because Calvary Chapel, the pastor was a guy named Chuck Smith, and Chuck was kind of a middle-aged guy who was bald and wore like, you know, high-waisted pants with a belt and his shirt tucked in and like a pocket protector. You know what I mean? Just sort of a, a, a nerd, okay? And 
Chuck is out sharing the gospel with these hippies, all these long-haired hippies, and they're getting saved, and they're coming to faith. Chuck's just meeting these people and, and leading them to Jesus, and dozens and dozens, and then hundreds and hundreds, and ultimately thousands and thousands of them get saved, and the whole thing grew and grew. So he started this church called Calvary Chapel, and it met in a big tent down in Costa Mesa, California, right by the beach. So, I mean, it was, and also, you got to know, Calvary Chapel was, this was, the, they were the, this was really the first church. Up until that point in history, church music was church music. It was pretty much choirs and a lady with an organ, a blue-haired lady with an organ. And that was it. And Chuck, Chuck brought in these rock and roll bands. So you have, it's the perfect storm. You, you've got the beach, the tent, the hippies, the music, and it's just this thing, and it's happening. And thousands and thousands of these hippies were getting saved and coming, coming to the Lord. It, was, it, was, it really did. It spread really globally. It was a phenomena. And so Calvary grew. It got big. And at one point, you know, they decided, we'll ditch the tent. The tent's getting kind of old. We'll actually build a church building. So they built a church building. And it's funny because it was super cool and modern then. If you look at it now, it kind of looks like that's the 70s. Uh, but any, any, in any case, it was, it was nice at the time. And so the whole thing kept growing and growing. And one day, one of the elders came to Chuck. And he said, Chuck. These kids are coming into the church and their feet are dirty and they're thrashing the carpet. So Chuck, uh, he did his best to not poke the guy in the eye, but instead what he said is tear out the carpet. first. Theology changes, you know. Uh, I, true confessions again. I, I don't have, um, I don't, I don't, my belief system is not exactly the same as it was 10 years ago. That may shock you. That may frighten you. But it's not. It's in process. It's in process. But theology isn't life. Okay, and, and, and therein lies, I believe, the tragedy of so much of conservative Christianity today is that theology is the top priority. We, we have to have it all dialed in. We have to know what we believe. We have to be, be right there. And, and, and look, don't get worried too much. I'm fairly solid, okay? Uh, you, you know, I'm not going to become a, 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 you know, some sort of a New Age Rastafarian mystic or anything. Uh, I, 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 I know where the center is. But I also know that knowing that isn't life, and that Jesus is the center, and he is life, and he is love, and love is first, and love never ends. And look, spiritual gifts are good. I, I, I enjoy the use of spiritual gifts in my own life. I enjoy spiritual gifts in your lives. Uh, when we have the little moment at the end of worship, and, I, and we say, if you have a word, come up, and every now and then someone does. And I love that. When I, I, I go, yes, yes, yes. I love when someone has a word from God for our congregation. But that is not the top priority. That's not the top priority. Love is the top priority. Love never fails. Spiritual gifts, they will fail. They will fall down. But 
That never fails. God's love for us and our love for one another, that's what matters. That's all that matters. I I can be totally confident and self-assured, or I can be confused, and I can still love either way. I, I, I can... I can be doing really good ethically or I can not be doing so good and I can still love. I can be healthy or sick and I can still love. I can be rich or poor and I can still love. I can have my end times theology and eschatology all dialed in and lined up and know when Jesus is going to return, date, time, hour, whatever, or not, and I can still love because the greatest of these is love. Love never ends. In chapter 3 of this same letter, letter Paul says, all of our works will be tested by fire. And anything that is not motivated by love ultimately will burn. It just doesn't matter. What's done in love is eternal. What's done in love is eternal. So that's how the temporal becomes eternal. What do you get to take with you? Anything that you've done in love. That's what you take it with you. It doesn't matter how big or small. It's, it's not about, you know, changing the world. It's, it's about helping a, a, a little kid cross the street. It's, it's, it's about forgiving someone. It's about waving and smiling at your neighbor. It, it, it's about when someone cuts you off, not gesturing in their general direction, but just saying a little prayer. God bless that person. And I'll tell you, that, that is why Mother Teresa rocks right there. If you want to go to the next slide for me. Not all of us can do great things. But we can, we can all do small things with great love. It's not about great things. It's about doing what we do in love. Why are we here? And I don't mean uh, in the world. I just mean why are we here in church? Um, You might have noticed... If you pay attention, uh, virtually all of our announcements, uh, we, we have an announcement every week for a prayer meeting, and we pray. Uh, but beyond that, most of our other announcements are dealing with things that we are doing to bless our community. So we have the commodity of the month for the food pantry. We have the school supply drive. Uh, you know, we, we have other things that we do to reach out to our community the reason the church exists is to make a bigger love splash. Together we can love more than we can alone. That's why we're here. Because we can love more people. That's the whole idea. Sorry if that bursts your bubble. Years ago, there was a person in our church who was helping out with the food pantry. And they asked me one day, what do we expect from these people? And they had come from a tradition where uh, <laughs> folks had to, to, before you could receive food, you had to sit and listen to a Bible study. So they would go in a room and they would have a Bible study, and then they could get their food. That was his mindset. What do we expect from them? Uh, and I said, Nothing. Nothing at all. There's, there's no requirement, no prerequisite, no minimum down payment. Uh, you don't even have to show ID at the door. If you're hungry, show up, we'll give you food. That's it. And, and that, that's the whole plan. Because the whole point is to be able to love. 
We want to show love. That's the only thing we're doing, and this is a practical way that we can do that, and we can love bigger and better together than we can alone. Look, I can't go out and buy school supplies and backpacks for 50 kids. I could do one or two, and if I, if I gave up my Starbucks for the week, I could maybe do three. But together, we can do 50. That, that, that's why the church exists. That's why we're here. You know, and if, <laughs> and if anyone tells you anything different, princess, they're selling something. Name that quote. Very good. Somebody had to get that. If anybody tells you anything different, princess, they're selling something. Community, the whole body dynamic of life in Christ is manifest the most clearly in loving together. That's really what we're about. Love is what's real. Uh, life, life, really, the whole thing is practice for heaven. Uh, it's, it's a chance to figure it all out, okay? Uh, it's a scrimmage game. It's, get your motivation sorted through now. Um, and, and again, it really is figuring it out. You know, I think, think about we talked about theology earlier, but things like the prosperity doctrine. The prosperity doctrine says, if you give, then God will bless you in return. And so you ask the question, is that true? And you have to say theologically, yes, that is true. Scripture would indicate if you give, that God will in fact bless you in return. But here's the thing, if you give with that intent, you've missed the whole point. Okay? Yeah, God will multiply back to you what you've given. So what? What you won't give, what you won't get, is the joy that comes from giving selflessly and sacrificially for no other reason. That's what you don't get. And that's better than the God multiplying what you gave back to you. There is a joy that comes in giving of ourselves to others in the name of Jesus that is... You can't, you can't know that any other way. We, we give of ourselves in love. Love never ends. Love never fails. Um, so why don't we close? Uh, how are we doing on time? Do you want to play a little bit? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.